And we're going to spend some time in Psalm 19 this morning. It's just a little break from 1 Corinthians until Doug's return. Psalm 19. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from night. And let them be for the signs of for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. And let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds. Livestock and creeping things and beasts and earth according to their kinds. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now that was Genesis, not Psalm 19. But that's the introduction. God has from the very beginning revealed His greatness, His glory, His majesty, His character to everyone He created. Our God is a revealing God. God's revelation drives us to a humble knowledge of who He is, but also who we are without Him. So God's revelation drives us to a humble acknowledgement of who He is and who we are without Him. The psalm is broken into three parts. God's general revelation, verses 1 to 6 for those who are taking notes. God's special revelation, verses 6 to 11. And then the response of the revelation, or the prayer of revelation, verses 12 to 14. So it's basically nature, law, prayer. Those are your headings. But let's read Psalm 19 with that in mind. Psalm 19. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them He has set a tent for the sun which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving his chambers. 
and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord is true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servants also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You almost want to sing all those verses, right? So many songs in there. It's beautiful. But let's look at verses 1 to 6, the general revelation through God's creation. David uses the the sky and the sun to reflect who God is. He looks up in the sky and he bursts out praising God. When last did you do this? Just look up in the sky. Bursting out in praise. The glory and wisdom of God is shown in the limitlessness of space. There's no end to space. The heavens and the sky is is kind of the, the mantle where God says, look at this. Look at my creation. He's showing off. God placed the sun and the moon and the stars in the sky. Why? The sole purpose is to glorify him. Bringing him praise. He says the the sun and the moon and the stars, the purpose is giving light, true. It's distinguishing from day and night and seasons, winter, summer. All those things are from Genesis 1. Just showing who God is. Hey guys, there's another season. Look who I am. You all are sweating right now. I know. Me too. But that's God. Heat. He created that. The sky isn't just something empty. Oh, yeah, there's blue sky, and sometimes there are white clouds in the sky. Some kids think the clouds are held up by little strings until you get into a plane. Yeah, it's a small area for your human eye. At night, you see these sweet little twinkling stars. But think of this. This is God's tapestry. This is His canvas that He paints all over showing people His glory. I mean, think of this. The closest star, Proxima Centauri, if you travel from Earth to that star at a speed of 17.3 kilometers per second... It's going to take you 73,000 years to reach that star. It's a small little sky, isn't it? 
If you can travel the speed of light, it's going to take you 4.22 years to get to that light. It's a small little sky, isn't it? David, even back in his days, people were confronted by paganism or secularism. David is showing everyone that God is revealing himself through creation. Look at the stars. Look at the sky. Look at the sun. We see Paul making the same argument against paganism. Romans 1-2 says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived. Which means everybody knows that there is a God. Ever since the creation of the world. In the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. If you are here today and you say there is no God, open your eyes. If you know that there is a God because of His creation, there needs to be a reaction. There is always and forever will be a continual testimony. Even if we die, God's creation stands forever. Luke writes the same in Acts 14 verse 17. He says, Yet he did not leave himself without witness. For he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. If you know me, I love food. But that's why we pray. We thank the Lord for providing the food. And Luke says here that all created things are there to glorify God. To reveal himself to us. David moves to, to the cycles of day and night. God didn't just create and he just left it. He's like an artist. Continually creating these things. The words day and night reveals the consistency of God's revelation through creation. He's just always at every morning. Every evening. Hey guys, I'm here. I created this. Look, look at the sun. Look at the clouds. Hear the thunder. I'm here. I'm the creator. Consistency. Now the cycle of day and night shows us this consistency. And it reminds us of Genesis 8 where God revealed his covenant to Noah. The creation is pouring out this revelation of who God is. It says it, it bubbles up. It, it continually just comes up. Praising God. He is the one that creates, sustains, and keeping his covenant through creation. All of this pours out like a spring. Creation cannot help but just pour out his praises. This is my creator. This is God. Now it's interesting in verse 3, this natural revelation comes without words. Now imagine me standing here this morning and I'm just... That's not going to go far, right? Yet, the psalmist writes, there's no words, no speech. But their voice goes out throughout all the earth. Our limited human minds can't understand this. Like, how do you communicate without words? Well, if you read the psalm, it's through nature. 
Not that God is in nature. Don't get me wrong. A tree cannot be God. God created the tree to show off His power. It's special to see that God reveals Himself. And it's not hindered by languages. Well, you know, I can't understand Farsi. I can't understand Urdu. I I just can't understand Greek. Everything is Greek, apparently. No, even through nature, without words, God reveals Himself to creation. God reveals Himself without words. With something everyone, to the ends of the earth, verse 4 says, will acknowledge that He is God. He communicates in more than just one way that your left brain allows you to think of. Everybody knows. Look at the sun. Now the sun comes up. Even the blind know when the sun comes up. The heat on their face, the chirping of the birds. Even the blind can see that God exists. There's no excuse. And we see Paul quotes verse 4 in Romans 10 verse 18. And Paul is asking a rhetorical question. He's asking, asking like, how can Israel not acknowledge God for who He is? I mean, they had divine revelation. How can the Jews reject Christ? But then he draws this to conclusion that they had no excuse because of creation. They had Moses' writing saying, Genesis, hello, God created. This God that delivered you, He's the creator. Can you remember the, the sea parting? God just separating the sea? It's because He's the creator of the sea. Giving light and darkness. Giving the cloud for protection. They had no excuse. No one can say that there is no God. No one can claim that they don't have an opportunity to know who God is. No one. If you're sitting here today and you recognize that there is a God, can I urge you to bow the knee before the Creator? And we'll look at that, how you can do that later on. We need to acknowledge who God is through creation. A God who desires all aspects of all worship. Nature reveals enough about God for you to either fall on your knees and worship Him or fall under judgment because you reject Him for who He is. Verses 4 to 6, David didn't know everything about the constellations. I mean, I had to do some research to know what the nearest star is. I I don't even know that. But anyway, I even forgot the name. Centauri something. Anyway, and David didn't know this, but he knew his creator. This sun, this, this, this sky, God, you're the only one that can create this. The sun rises and sets. It's the tent, the bridegroom, a champion warrior. So this is the, the joy. The, the sun coming up is like a bridegroom. When I got married, I, I, I was really excited. Right? 
And this is what he says. The, the sun coming up, it, it's excitement, it's joy. But he's also a champion. So he's rejoicing in his strength. This re- represents the power of the sun. The powerful sun reveals God's glory. The power and wisdom. You, need, you don't need words to tell you how powerful the sun is. Have you ever spent some time cutting grass, falling asleep next to the, on the beach or next to the pool, when you start looking like a little crayfish, a little crayfi, blood red? It's the power of the sun. I've even burned under an umbrella. You cannot hide from the sun. I mean, we're under a roof here. And yet, we, the, the, the sunlight just comes in. It gives us light. You cannot hide from the sun. Nothing is hidden from the heat of the sun. Brother, sister, God is not a secret of God. He reveals Himself. He reveals Himself and nothing hides from Him. Thinking of Adam and Eve hiding away because they sinned. David is thinking about the sky, the sun, the the heat, and without skipping a beat, he goes into thinking of God's law. He says, well, if this is you, God, then here's your law. It almost goes hand in hand for him. The law of God does the same as nature, but in more specific terms. So let's look at verse 7 to 11, the specific revelation through God's word. So it's the natural revelation and the specific revelation now. Can I have that slide up, if that's possible? I just want to show you some of my homework here, which is kind of helpful. You see, verse 7, the law, then it's the testimony, it's all the green, the precepts, the commandment, the fear, the rules, and then you jump over of the Lord, 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 of the Lord. All of those law, testimony, precepts, commandments, the fear, the rules, it's of the Lord. Not from someone. It's of the Lord. But then the light blue, you'll see His law is perfect. The testimony is sure. The precepts are right. The commandments is pure. The fear is clean. The rules are true, righteous altogether. Thanks. It all works together. Now the revelation of God's law is clearer, clearer and greater than revelation in the nature. Nature is without words. But the Word of God has words. It's a word. Last weekend, we had a, a, a conference, an imprint conference in KZN. And at the end of the conference, we gave everybody Bibles. And some of those pastors, it was a pastor's conference, and we taught them how to deal with certain situations in the church, and we gave them a Bible. And a few of them did not have a Bible. A picture there. A pastor without a Bible. And we gave it to them and we said, can we please have a group photo? And the photo turned into a video because they just couldn't stand still or keep quiet. They burst out singing, singing this, the Lion of Judah has conquered. All praise to God for sending His word. Have you ever felt that about the Bible? The Lion of Judah has conquered. Praise to God for sending His Word. 
And this is what God uses to reveal himself more specifically. David uses the synonyms of the word of God. And we shouldn't look at them individually, but he uses this as poetic language to to strengthen, to intensify the revelation of God. All the word of God, the whole revelation is good. His law, the statutes, the precepts, the commands, fears, ordinances, these are all synonyms. And they intensify this. The psalm is to emphasize that the whole counsel of the Lord is beneficial. It's not just Leviticus. It's not just the Ten Commandments. It's the whole Word of God. Because it is the Word of God, it was to be received by Him as authoritative, inerrant, and absolutely binding. He reveals Himself through the Word. We cannot say, well, I agree with this piece, let's tear out that piece, oh, this one I agree with. It's the whole counsel of God. It's perfect. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All Scripture is God-breathed. Just like He spoke into creation, He spoke, He breathed out this wonderful creation of His Word. And it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. It's there for us to know Him more. The Bible is not like other books because it's God-breathed. The psalmist reflects on these close connections between God and His revelation. But he gives his readers these benefits. He says, the whole counsel of God, it revives It restores. It heals. The whole person, it can have forgiveness. It it cleanses, it says in verse 7. It doesn't matter what sin struggle you are going through. Through the Word of God, you can be revived. You can be cleansed. And then further, he says, God's Word is the source of all wisdom. I I find myself sometimes feeling... Really stupid. But then we have the wisdom. Read the Word of God. Both the inexperience and the experience can glean from God's Word. And that's where the fear of the Lord comes in. Proverbs 1 verse 7. Knowing the Word of God, He reveals Himself to you, and that creates this awe, this wow, what a God I serve. Then He says... The word is right. It gives joy. And it gives a a heartfelt joy, an inner peace. It's the opposite of crooked. It's straight. It's right. Sin brings sadness and the word exposes sin. And if the sin is exposed, it brings joy. God's word gives light to the eyes. The eternal joy radiates through the eyes. It gives light. God has made the sun, verses 4 to 6. For the light in creation. And now he reveals his son, S-O-N, for the revelation of his word. It brings light to the eyes, to the blind, the spiritual blind. It creates light to see God for who he is. God's word is pure and it endures forever. Corruption, corrupt things rot away. Only the pure endure. 
And this is God's word. It endures forever. God's word is pure. And then he says God's word is sure and always righteous. The law of God warns his people, it says, against sin. Isn't that a benefit? God's judgment is on sin. And if you're a sinner, what happens? You're under judgment. But if the word of God reveals the Savior, the Savior that's going to save you from this condemnation, and he reveals the sin in your heart that you would repent and believe, what bigger blessing is there? The word of God. But now in verse 10 he says, desires. We think of things that we want. I desire a bigger and a better, you fill in the blank. But David says that the law, the word of God, should be desired. Can we say that we desire the word of God? Our human minds make us believe that the law of the Lord are these restraints, this ball and chain. Okay, I must just do this, right? Well, David says you should delight in the law of the Lord because it sets you free. It's not a ball and chain. It actually takes a ball and chain off. It's like when a hungry man walks into a room where... Freshly baked bread was just taken out of the oven. And there's a bowl of salted butter with lovely honey to drizzle all over the great loaf of bread. No gluten intolerance or whatever there. What is he going to do? Oh, bread again. No, he's going to desire. Oh, can I just have a piece? Please, can I have some more honey? And a little bit of butter, please. He desires it. That is exactly what David says. We should desire the word of God more than that. Because there's a blessing. We should be satisfied with this. We should find our satisfaction in being obedient to God's word and his instructions. Obedience shouldn't be a duty, but a desire. But that takes work. Reforming that thinking. Again, Romans 12, 2, where Paul says, you need to renew your mind in your thinking. How do you do that? It's through the Word of God. You need to think and reconstruct your thinking that the law is good. This law is much more than just the Ten Commandments. I want to do this because it shows me the law. It reveals Him. It's God's counsel. It's whole. Do you desire this? And the same as nothing God hides, the, or nothing can hide from the Son, S-U-N. Nothing can hide from the Son, S-O-N. The Word. It's going to pierce your heart. If God is after you, it's going to get you. But all of this, now, nature reveals God. The Word of God reveals God. Now we see in uh, point 3, verses 12 to 14, there's a response after this revelation. So, the first part of David's response is just a humble prayer. 
Lord, I, I see the sky. I see the sun. I know your word. And what does he say? In verse 12, who can discern his errors? And then, immediately, he says, declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Can I have the second slide, please? Sorry, we're doing homework today. But look at that. Declare me. Keep back your. Let them not. Let the words. It's all outside of David. He says, if it's not you, I can't do this. Who can declare, discern his errors? I can't. But you can. Declare me, please, Lord. Keep back your servant. Let them not. It's all in God. David knows the great God, the creator of heaven and earth, the one that breathes God's word out, giving us revelation. He says, that's my hope. My hope is in God. You need to do this, Lord. And he's asking God to forgive him. Brother, sister, sometimes I think we forget what sin is. We take forgiveness lightly. Oh God, please forgive me because I did X, Y, and Z. Thank you very much. Lord, oh yeah, I did it again. Please forgive me. Who can discern his own errors? It's by the grace of God that you can ask for forgiveness. And David knows this. These days, everyone is all about self-esteem. Oh, it's my heart. and they, they, They're so in love with themselves that I need to be pleased. It's all about me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity. That, that, that's what takes over. We fail to understand who God is. Even though He reveals Himself as the holy creator God, I fear that our view of God is too low. It's too small. Our view of ourselves, that takes precedent. That, uh, it's me. What, what should I get? Who should I be? My legacy, as Ed mentioned earlier. That's what I'm striving towards. Isaiah's reaction when God revealed His holiness was one of humility. Isaiah 6 verse 5, Woe is me! Who am I in your presence? God's revealed His holiness, shattered His self-esteem. It was nothing to do with Him. Only God. King Belshazzar acted like a dead body when the finger wrote on the wall in Daniel 5, 6-7. He looked like a salt pillar, and he didn't even know God. How much more for us, brother, sister? What's your view of God? Sin is grievous. It's not something that it's like a a loan. Okay, so if someone comes in here, a loan shark, he, he walks in here, and he says, okay, you owe me 10 million rand. Okay, that's almost impossible to pay back, right? 
But you can say, hey, listen here, can I please have the rest of my life to pay it back? Yeah, okay. There's, a, there's an opportunity. There's a chance, right? Or you can phone a friend. And a friend and another friend and another friend and another friend. But there's at least a chance for that debt to go away. Not sin. Nothing can remove sin except the blood of Jesus. That is the holiness of God. He is holy. He cannot stand sin. You cannot be forgiven with with anything that you do. I fear that too many of us are suffering from narcissism. Being in love with ourselves. David does not do this. He's aware of his sins. And even the, the subtle nature of sin. And the complexity of sin. It's these small little foxes that burns down the field, right? Uh, I'll just enjoy it now. I'll, I'll stop with that later. Instead of being in awe of God. When you sin, you sin against a holy God. The seriousness of sinning against the holy God strikes David here when he says it was revealed, the greatness of God through nature. And now his law is piercing my heart. Who can discern his own sin? No one but you, God. And this is the reason why David says these specific revelation is, is desired more than, more than honey. Because it doesn't deceive like sin. It brings it out in saying, you need to confess this. It shows you who God is and who you are without God. And this is why David is breaking out in prayer. Nothing can be hidden except if you hide it from yourself. Well, you know it, but let's just keep the sin right here. Nobody else sees it, right? Well, the Lord does. This is why David is praying. He's he's searching his heart. And he knows, just like you can't hide from the sun, the lights, the sun rays. Well, let's dig into the Word because no sin can hide from the Word. It's going to come out those deep crevices. Searching the deepest, darkest corners in your hearts. Just like the, the sun. It's going to be exposed. Can I encourage you, brother and sister, if you struggle with sin... Bring it to light. Speak to someone. Let it come out and let it be healed by the rays of the word. It's not worth dabbling around with sin. It brings destruction. In verse 12 and 13, David reflects on man's sinfulness and his limitations. God is perfect. And his revelation in nature and the word reveals the glory and power and wisdom. But man... Is insignificant. Just as nothing but God. He says, Please, God, you declare me innocent. You keep back your servant from all kinds of presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. You, you, Lord, my hope is in you. And what does he say then? Then. I shall be blameless. Only then, when you surrender yourself to God as holy, and you surrender yourself as limit, 
you're limited, you cannot save yourself except through Jesus, that's when you are declared righteous through Jesus. The previous section closed off by saying this, this great reward. And it's because it's revealed. That's the reward. The word reveals the sin in your life. And then you can actually be corrected. That relationship with God the Father can be restored through Jesus. And that's the best gift you can ever have. It's a reward. Ask God to enlighten your eyes. Make you wise. Get restored. Find joy in it. And have the right fear in God. David realizes that without God, he is doomed. He's nothing. And that is why he's offering up this prayer of forgiveness and acceptance because of the revelation. It is only by grace that he can acknowledge that he is a sinner in need of a Savior because it's God who reveals it. Have you ever thought about the wonderful grace that was bestowed upon you. That God revealed sin in your life so that you can ask for forgiveness through His Son by the Holy Spirit. Have you ever thought of that? There are millions of people that God has not revealed it to yet. Do we have this desire? Do we have this thankfulness? Romans 10, 8 to 13 says, But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you sit here and you acknowledge that you know that there is a God, this is how you become a child of God. It's by confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart. And then later it says, For the scripture says, there's the law again, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is why it's such a big blessing to be revealed. The word of God is a revelation of who he is. And if you realize who he is, you're going to be humbled. And asking for forgiveness, knowing that you cannot save yourself. Lord, keep your servant. Declare me innocent. Let not have these sins have dominion over me. If you declare that, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins. I wonder sometimes if we forget that sin makes God angry. Now that might be a shock to you. You're like, wait, what? God is love. Well, how can he be angry with me? But he is. He cannot stand sin. Sin angers him, brother and sister. But thankfully, just like David, it doesn't stop there. Don't get hung up on God's anger. Let that thought drive you to a thankfulness for Jesus Christ. It's because of Jesus that you will not experience God's anger. He's a judge, a righteous judge. 
The word of God brings life to those that submit to it and acknowledge who God is. He is the creator God that needs to be the only hope that you have. Because God is a revealing God and he reveals himself, he's a life-giving creator. David ascribes greatness to the Lord as it is only God that can declare him innocent, keep him back and prevent sin to have dominion over him. We know that these requests are only able and available through God alone. But 1 John 1 verse 9 says, Cleanse me from secret sins. That's a wonderful prayer to pray. Mark 1 verse 8 says, Let sin not have dominion over me. Pray to the Holy Spirit that, and ask Him for it. Romans 8 verse 1 says, Be blameless before a holy God. It's only through the work of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit that we can say these words. Let our words of our mouths and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. That's what David closes here. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. What do you meditate on? What do you think of? And even then, it's only by God's grace that it is acceptable in his sight. And that is why David now says, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's God, God alone. We need to surrender to God, not to ourselves. There's so much preaching on you. You just need to. You need to be pleased. You should not be harmed. You should, you should get justice. Family, God. He deserves all glory, no matter what is going on. He's the only one that can keep us. He's the sovereign one. He's the one in ultimate control of all things. We need to acknowledge this and then break free from the bondage of these sins. And God said, let us create so that we can be worshipped. Brother, sister, God is a revealing God so that we can know Him and worship Him, love Him, and obey Him. What is your response going to be? There is only one God, but there are two choices. I see God for who He is, and I will find my delight in Him and worship Him. Or, there is no God. I will worship myself. And what I want. Go with that as the thoughts after today. Let us pray. Our Lord, our rock and our redeemer, we plead with you through the working and the power of the Holy Spirit that we would confess our sin Bring it to light so that we can live holy lives before you and before a wicked world. Lord, so that more people can be saved, so that your name would be glorified in all we do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.